Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. I was a bit gutted yesterday about the yeah. news, about the Mac Pro. 2019. I, I guess, what, did you did you wake up to that? I certainly think by, by lunchtime, I think I knew yesterday here. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a shock, I thought. I, I know they said... In, in 2017, they said it's not coming out this year. And of course, we all leapt and meant, ah, they just mean 2018. So I think we kind of got ourselves to blame a little bit for that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I remember when we recorded um, recorded the podcast last year, when the announcement that they're actually making a modular Mac Pro came out. And yeah, we did. We we jumped on that podcast straight to the conclusion it was coming out this year. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. I also think Apple. I think Apple were quite happy to let everybody jump to that conclusion, though, too. I think they were until the iMac Pro was a thing, and I think they said in kind of no uncertain terms that they want to be really clear about the fact it's not coming this year, as in 2018, because if you've got like a I don't know, say like a Fortune 500 company or, or a big institution that's looking to drop a, a lot of money on a Mac Pro that holding out for the Mac Pro because they think it's coming this year. Yeah, um, I think they want to give them the nod to be like, no, 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 it's okay. You can buy the iMac Pro, and we're not going to sort of put anything out there in in this purchasing year. I think that's fair enough, and I think where I sort of said like, okay, I think they were quite happy for everybody to assume it was this year, last year. My 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 kind of reasoning for that, I think, is is because at the time they were getting quite a lot of heat, sort of for the, for the delay on the Mac Pro updates anyway. So. I think, you know, the the announcement last year took that, that heat away. Now we've had the iMac Pro. Um and then like you say, obviously the, the, the reality is they need to let people know for those those reasons as well now. So they've they've had this last sort of year as that kind of breathing space. Um and for, for the iMac Pro to sort of come out and be be what it is as well and for people to, to actually use it and for the reviews and everything else to come through. I don't know. I, I was reading that article in more depth last night. It seems like they're going all in on workflows where they've yep. got teams of, of creatives that are, are working on real projects within Apple, pushing hardware and the software to the limits. I don't know. It, I, it sounds like a cool idea, but I mean, it'd just be really nice to have a like a headless Mac desktop um, just released. Because it's like the whole the whole industry, or it's not the whole industry, but a lot of the industry is just yelling at Apple, being like, you know, just something like a cheese grater with bang up-to-date internals that we can upgrade on a regular basis. And you also keep it upgraded on a regular basis as well. So every year you put the, the, like the newest Intel stuff in it and the newest whatever graphics chip. But also if we want to plug a new graphics chip in three years down the road with our existing box we bought, then we can do that too. I mean, this seems like the easiest product ever for Apple to make. Yeah. And I, I know like when you're trying to engineer things for other people, like nothing's easier than another engineer's problem, is it? Um, but compare this to the 12-inch MacBook and you know, so the iPads they make that are you know, quite specialist devices and they have to be really thoroughly considered and are probably quite difficult to manufacture and all, all the rest of it. And then you've got this Mac Pro and it's kind of like, can can you not just quickly make something? <laughs> I, I think. I mean, I've I've seen this on on a post. Um, I'll have to link it in the show notes. I'll, I'll find it out. But um, this blog post, this article is describing this as um, there being an elephant in the room. This is that sort of idea that that there's something going on, you know, within 
And this actually links into the other announcement this week. Well, not even an announcement. It's a, a rumor, isn't it, still, um, about ARM chips yeah. being used. Um, so it looks like ARM chips may well be used in Macs sort of from 2020 was, was the main rumor, wasn't it? Um, okay, but getting back to the elephant in the room, there's this kind of thing going on with the Pro and combine that with with the potential of Mac OS changing, uh, Marzipan and ARM-based Macs. It sort of feels like there's this, this kind of Mac-shaped thing that we can't fully see yet and we're sort of seeing bits of it. And I think actually some of that's exhibiting here with what's going on with the Mac Pro. In that, if if the platform is changing, you know, if macOS is changing in some fairly significant ways, if the chip architecture that is being used through the Mac lineup is changing as well, then there's potentially something there going on in terms of them saying, well, okay, uh, they can't just make a cheeks greater. You know, you can't wind the clock back and just sort of go, okay, we're going to make get that that old base and just bring it up to date and stick some Intel chips in it. Um, you know, and we could put some new drives in in there or whatever a new graphics card and have done with it because fundamentally that is not where the Mac itself is going. Do you think this new Mac then is likely to be included in the ARM CPU transition? I'm unsure. So it would it would seem a bit early, wouldn't it? If they've said it's a 2019 product, and the rumours are pointing at 2020 for ARM chips to come into yeah. Macs, you would think they would start that transition in 2020 and probably start it with a 12-inch MacBook, or that would seem like the obvious product to transition. And then, I guess, gradually roll it. There's a couple of theories in terms of you could start at the low end. Like you say, you know, it could start at the really low end, um, and it's essentially taking iOS technology and just, you know, it's it, that, that end of the scale in terms of processor power but it's got a keyboard on it and it is the new Mac. Then at the other end of the scale you've got, we could make a special ARM chip that is lots and lots and lots of cores and that is the base for the Mac Pro. Either either way could be a potential here, depending again on exactly what the sort of combination of software to that hardware is. I had a little uh, a little theory, um, but it's, like you said, it's kind of reading tea leaves and it's a little bit out there. It kind of centers around the fact that mac os has largely been seen to be in like maintenance mode and, and maybe this whole thing is, is kind of why um not just so we get a ported version of mac os that runs on arm this could be something that's way wider because let's not forget we've got marzipan coming into play as well that you mentioned a few minutes ago so the rumor for that is it is coming this june right yeah yeah, or at least we're going to get an announcement for it this june yeah so call it like phase one so that would allow potentially allow us to write apps that run on ARM-based iOS devices and also run on Intel-based Mac devices running the same kind of regular Mac OS we've all been used to. Then there could be a larger vision, perhaps encompassing like a, an all-new, I'd love to call it Mac OS 11, but I don't know what else to call it right now. Um, <laughs> let's call it OS 11. An OS that would, say, borrow heavily from iOS in terms of its you know security in that it would only allow trusted developers to run applications on it yeah. um, apps would need to be sandboxed um, i mean we've, we've discussed all this kind of stuff before so essentially whether that could be almost like a fork of ios i mean i know, I know mac os was kind of what ios came from in the first place but you kind of get what i'm saying if, if the goal is to make mac os behave in a similar way to ios why not why not just go direct direct to the source i suppose and then push 
iOS forward in a way that makes it into an acceptable Mac experience based on iOS technologies and philosophy, I guess you could say. You know, the philosophies whereby kind of the OS protects users from malicious applications, stops apps writing anywhere on your file system. And, you know, when you delete an app, you get rubbish left all over your, your Mac file system. Yep. Interestingly, I had had big clear out in that regard yesterday, and I managed to free up nearly 40 gig of disk space, which was cool. When you think about it, iOS always run, has always ran on ARM. It's only ever yeah. ran on ARM. So I, I wonder whether this kind of new Mac OS that, I, I guess it, there must be something coming. I mean, we're all kind of sat here for the last three or four years, if not more, saying Mac OS is, you know, it's, got, it's gone into maintenance mode and, and this and that. So I wonder whether the trade-off might be with this kind of line of thinking is that if you want this new Mac OS, you're going to need a, a new shiny ARM-based Mac. Potentially, yeah, that that that'd be quite a jump. That'd be a bit of a kick in the teeth for a lot of users, right? Be quite aggressive. I I have a similar kind of theory, and and we are into theories right now. This is, is the, <laughs> oh, the we are well show. into theories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you, just go with me here. We've kind of gone down this path a couple of times offline and and in bits of previous shows, but um, we had the Mac Air, uh, the MacBook Air, rather. Um, rumors a few weeks ago and, and there was an idea that the um the education event in chicago could be an update for the macbook air now there was also a rumor a year back that was based on um it was the infamous slash dot post that um suggested that arm-based macs were coming and this is kind of one of the first uh little little bits of information it's been disputed i think it's been debunked but it's one of the first bits that came out that sort of really laid a bold claim as to to what might be going on with with ARM chips inside of Apple. Uh, that that rumor, if I'm, I'm reading it back now, it's sort of suggesting that they were testing ARM based laptops similar to a MacBook Air or an iBook sort of in size, and that would just be the test device. It doesn't mean that it's the uh, the hardware that will actually be released. But they, they were testing these ARM-powered laptops, and that was the rumor that also said it had a sort of radically rethought version of um, of Mac OS on it that was much closer to iOS. Uh, I think some of the, uh, the suggestions at the time was that um, App Store distribution was pretty much mandatory, and uh, a few other things. Drivers were now operating as system extensions. Applications were launched through um, a launch pad, and that there wasn't really a finder on it. In, in the same sort of way. So I'm wondering you know, if there was any truth to that rumour that was, was was kind of out uh, February 2017, if that was real in a sense of they were actually testing ARM-based laptops at that point, okay, so put the, the Mac Pro completely to one side, if they were actually testing laptops at that point in time, and bear in mind at that time, around about that time, the, the Mac Pro announcement hadn't been made and the iMac Pro was definitely the machine that Apple uh, was lining up to sort of take over the throne from, from the trash can Mac Pro. So they're testing ARM-powered laptops maybe around about that time. There's this idea that maybe they could be rethinking um, Mac OS as well. So the timeline for, for an ARM-based Mac the first one, if it's going to be anything, it could be based around them releasing a laptop rather than releasing the Mac Pro. Yeah, I'd definitely agree with that. And and, and the laptop's much, much closer in terms of, of what it is to an iPad. 
So I, I do wonder. I wonder if there's something here where the the MacBook Air could be being reborn. That that is something I've suggested before, and I really do think it could be possible. And that if it was that, that would be this this arm powered Mac, and potentially it might be running a kind of variant of of Mac OS or something that is locked down in this kind of new fashion. Ahead of time, I could imagine that maybe this is the machine that if you've got it, it can only actually really install things from the App Store. As part of that, I would imagine it kind of being very heavily orientated around whatever Marzipan is going to be. So it can run Mac apps, but they are from the Mac App Store, and those apps would have to be coded with whatever Marzipan is going to be. That that would be the framework you would use. If they can do this, if they can make a machine that, that is attractive enough to build a market, and I'm thinking that the, the, this this shows some sort of benefit in some fashion. It's, it's really light, or it is cheaper in in a way that the the Intel Macs aren't. Or there's some sort of other angle on it that 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 hooks the kind of mainstream audience in. Battery life, I would have thought. Yeah. So so then, if that is the case, and you've got this machine, it's not being built for developers, and it's not being built for pros, right? It's being built for everybody. Potentially timeline-wise, maybe this is something that is out closer to Christmas this year. And if that's the case, then announcing something like Marzipan in June makes sense with the whatever version of macOS that machine runs is coming out later in the year. Marzipan then makes sense because you've got this, this kind of Greenfield uh, Mac App Store waiting for this, this, this ARM-based MacBook Air. You know, if you've got this, this new machine that's coming out that's really special... And if you can make your apps kind of adopt this 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 new framework, then you can get into the new app store and boom, there's there's this new market for you there potentially. It's an interesting take. <laughs> bit of a stretch, but I, I, I'm I'm kind of wondering if there's a bit of a sort of carrot here for for devs and kind of for for the mainstream as a whole with the Mac as well, in terms of of getting people over that line and getting people to just sort of go, hey, there's there's this cool machine over here and I want to play with it. Yeah, um, like just a new platform as a draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still the old platform because if you're talking about a framework that still can run on the existing Intel-based Macs, you know, with the new version of the OS, then you lose nothing as as a Mac developer in theory by, by going over to this new framework because your apps can still run for everybody else who's got a Mac as well, provided they're on the new operating system. I um I was making some notes yesterday. I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe we're about to enter like a transition phase. That transition phase could last anywhere between four to six years. And I mean, the first phase being Marzipan, getting Marzipan yep. working across iOS and macOS as we know it right now. The second phase starting 2020 when these ARM-based Macs come out. And then the third phase between four and six years from now, once we've got enough ARM-based Macs out there that have been out in the wild, then we could maybe launch this new version of macOS 11 that I kind of vaguely described, borrowing heavily from iOS. By then, perhaps the blow to Intel Mac owners would be sort of significantly cushioned by the passing of time in that, yeah, their six-year-old Mac won't get the new shiny macOS 11, which... You know, it's kind of fair enough, I suppose. It's a six-year-old Mac, if indeed they still have it by then at six years old. Yeah. I mean, I know my MacBook is coming up to eight years old, but I kind of consider that long and forgotten, really. I don't expect any further OS updates. Yeah, you have to consider that maybe the world would have moved on as well, where 
where Mac users are more willing to accept apps that come only through a Mac app store and are sandboxed in some way. Maybe not sandboxed in the way they are right now, because I know that certain developers have had problems and have left the Mac app store as a result, but maybe that can be rethought. Yeah, that's just politics really, isn't it? There could be hardcore Mac users listening to this saying, oh, this sounds like crazy talk, but... Yeah, the one, the one thing I kept coming back to is that it wasn't that long ago that we didn't even have a passcode on our phone, and, and yep. we thought that was and we thought that was fine. <laughs> you <laughs> imagine saying that now? Yeah, that's true. I mean, so zip forward four to six years, we're going to be a long way in terms of technology, but also kind of where we are in our minds as well and what we're willing to accept. And I think we're gradually being nudged in that direction. So give us four to six years. Yeah, there'll probably still be people that aren't that happy about it, but I think the majority probably would be fine with it i'd, I'd agree and I, I think yeah regardless of whether you kind of want things to sort of remain a certain way so that you can make certain sorts of applications you know okay i want a very open computing platform so that then i can you know, make this really nifty thing that that does something with the graphics card in a way that, that i can only do when i've got low level access yeah mm-hmm. that's that's great and that scratches a developer's itch but it's I can't really relate that back to the mainstream. If I think of everyday users and, and, and people that just kind of want to, they want to use a computer, but they don't want all of the kind of maintenance that goes around using a computer. Uh, they they want to use um, applications and have access to services, but they also want to be able to trust that, you know, that, that, that they don't have to worry about things like viruses and, and that end of stuff as well. I think with, with the iPhone, um, people have kind of gotten to a situation where that trade-off of the platform being closed has meant, well, yeah, but I use this thing and I can depend on it and I don't have to worry about all these other problems. And I think if that that, that kind of expectation, if you like, is, is kind of extending all the way through computing now. So when when that generation now, this, this younger generation, or at least the generation that has really gotten used to, to their iPhones is approaching computers there is this kind of point of well why do i have this file system in front of me why does it do all this to me when i try and go and install this this other application i've got a dmg file or i've got a a, a package file or i go to the app store and i I install an app and, and that kind of goes here but how do i uninstall it there's all this kind of stuff around the sort of old model of computing that macOS currently represents that users from the iPhone generation just don't understand because they haven't needed to understand it. So, yeah, I mean, as much as, as kind of, you know, the greybeards, if you want to call call that generation that um, wants to sort of cling to certain aspects of open computing, just don't think that's the way the mainstream's going at all. It'd be interesting if we get like, a, an, like this rethought version of macOS that goes along with the ARM transition or whether we simply get like a ported version of macOS as we know it. I, mean, I was reading yesterday that apparently macOS has been ported to ARM pretty much since like 2012. But as well as porting the OS, there's also apps, right, that will need to either be recompiled or have some kind of emulation layer to x86. Yeah, potentially, if you want to maintain compatibility. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, imagine that this... Imagine that uh, just like macOS, as we currently know it, runs on the first ARM-based Mac that ships. Say they just put an ARM chip in the new 12-inch MacBook. Yeah. Um, just with macOS on it. Surely there needs to be a fairly hefty emulation layer to get apps to run 
on that arm chip, um, sort of like the, the days of Rosetta, although I can't really speak of any personal experience with that, given that my first Mac was, what, a 2007 Core 2 Duo plastic white MacBook. I experienced it from the other other way around as well, just in terms of like, um, well, not the other way around, was it? Rosetta enabled you to run PowerPC on the Intel on Intel. Yeah. yeah. So I did experience the last sort of bits of that, and... To know that the applications I was using were um, video mixing apps actually back then, uh, and they they were kind of carb they were carbon based ones though you know with the sort of with with the older much older kind of UI elements and that sort of stuff, um, and they didn't take too long before like you know they they were updated or kind of axed I guess really. This is why I sort of think okay well if we're getting an ARM based machine this year. And it is kind of that that kind of mainstream appeal, so we're not talking pro hardware. You wouldn't get one this year, though, would you? Surely. Well, maybe. These rumors are saying twenty twenty. The rumors saying for twenty twenty overall, but if you're following back the earlier rumors uh, from from last year, my interpretation was that it would start in twenty twenty. So you're saying it could be complete by twenty twenty. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Or that the vast majority of the platform is is there by twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be certainly pretty cool if they do. But... I mean, who knows? We, we, we're kind of very much into sort of ifs and buts and wishes here at this point. But I'm, I'm sort of thinking if there was something that was ready to rock and roll sort of by the end of this year that was that sort of forerunner machine that is is it has some level of uh, mainstream appeal, so it's like a MacBook Air reboot or whatever it is, I, I wouldn't expect that machine to be running an emulation layer. You know, I wouldn't expect that machine to be running. This, this is why maybe they would justify it only being able to run applications that are from the Mac App Store and only being able to run applications that have been compiled against Marzipan or built in that way. Yeah, that would seem like the, the prerequisite, right, that you have to compile your app in, a, in like the latest version of Xcode that supports Marzipan, then it will just compile down to ARM. Yeah, 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 exactly, and, and, and that it would mandate using uh, the, the new uh, UX kit or whatever is represented within Marzipan. And then, yeah, at that point, backwards compatibility doesn't matter. You've got a, a brand new shiny machine. It's limited in a, in a lot of ways. From because of that, you've not got the whole back catalogue of, of applications there until the, the developers that make them uh, choose to kind of port them over to the new new environment. But then that also then represents a bit of a greenfield for devs if that happens. You know, you've got a, a brand new Mac App Store that only runs for this sort of shiny new machine it represents sort of the future um you know if you want to sell to sell to people with those machines then you've got to have your application over there in the mac app store using marzipan and then that's that's the carrot that gets you over that line to sort of making making your app updated for it changes are coming definitely yeah we i'm just looking forward to june a lot more than i was yeah I and mean, this, this makes me feel like now is not the time to be looking at Macs. For buying one? Yeah, for buying one. I mean, what's my MacBook now? Eight years old almost to the day when I bought it. So I figure if I can just keep it going another couple of years, <laughs> <laughs> then, then surely like I can kind of be on, on, on the new wave of devices that's going to sort of be the next 10 years as opposed to buying the tail end of a wave that's crashed and as you know, you're just getting that sort of sea foam stuff by the shore <laughs> that represents like the old in, you know the current intel ones that are just about to phase out into nothing yeah i remember um, that feeling with the power books as, as as they were sort of outgoing did you have one 
I didn't know, but I was looking at buying one at that point in time. I was very much on the fence, and then, uh, yeah, it was the Intel Intel update that got me over. Mm. It should be a bit of a bit of a blow to Intel, kind of like a giving them a bit of a bloody nose, kind of in an embarrassing sense, I suppose, rather than more of a financial sense. And from what I can gather, Apple accounts for five percent of Intel's revenue and one percent of their profits. Although when I was googling around. Both of those figures come from different sources, so take them with a grain or two of salt. But yeah, nevertheless, that didn't stop their share price dipping. Was it nine percent when this news came out? Well, okay, I, I saw six percent on the day. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, but you know, maybe it was it, six. It might have kept going. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty big <laughs> to have that. Even if it's six, that's, that's represent a lot of money just off yeah. of a rumor like this. Yeah, you can see why Apple want to do it, though. I can see why they want to do it, and. I don't know whether longer term, like, I think Intel will, obviously they will be damaged by losing losing Apple in that way. But again, I, I don't think it's going to happen immediately. You know, there's going to be this sort of mid, mid-term kind of period and it's it's not all of their business at all. It's, it's sort of more like, does this then kind of impact other areas and, and where Intel's? other markets that Intel are selling into as well. You know, if like other companies sort of start following suit in some fashion. Yeah, it could almost be, uh, <laughs> if you link it back to Brexit, once like Britain leaves the EU, then if suddenly another country starts again, oh, maybe that's a good idea for us too. And then they'll start <laughs> doing it as a problem, isn't it? I mean, it put Apple in a fairly good position because they'd be the only sort of major PC manufacturer to be doing it. Um, I mean, like everyone else, like HP and Dell and what are the other ones? Asus, Lenovo, all those kind, of, all all of that bunch for the most part for their PCs, it's all it's all Intel, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, it it's, is. it's it's kind of a it's kind of a feature, I suppose they can market. Although I'm not sure how they would market it to regular people, because I imagine if you were to go into the Apple Store, I imagine like my dad goes into the Apple Store <laughs> and they're like, oh, good news, Macs now run on ARM chips. He'd be like, what are you talking about? Like what? I don't even, I didn't even know they ran Intel chips until you know you just told me. Yeah. Um, so I think it would have to be through the lens of battery life and performance, that kind of thing. And maybe just not even mention in their marketing that they run on ARM chips. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to be selling it on the chip itself. No, I mean, you could maybe maybe in passing they could say the new MacBook running on the all-new Apple-designed A-series chip or something, but just don't... That's as far as they would probably go, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's the sort of thing that matters a lot more to devs and to techs, you know, people in the, in the tech industry than anybody else. Yeah. And I think the story there for sort of the mainstream user could well be this sort of one of, um, of the app store itself, you know. So so if we're talking about a position where um, you've got universal apps of some nature, you know, the, the, all your favorite apps from your iPhone are available in some fashion on on this this new device. Yeah, I mm. can see that being being a selling point for sort of the the mainstream user. Yeah, WWDC can't come soon enough now, as far as I'm concerned. But we now April the sixth as we record this, so we're not not too far off. Yep, just a couple, couple of months, months. And a couple of months, we'll have all the answers. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. 
Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com and on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.